Have you ever asked, have you ever asked the question, what if, what if? What if I could fly and could just take off and soar like an eagle? What if, what if I could bend it like Beckham and could be a huge football star and endorse male grooming products? I can see it now, a range of aftershave. What if, what if I could be the perfect husband, romantic, emotionally intelligent, remembering my wedding anniversary? What if, what if, and if the question is realistic, and if the answer is achievable, then what if can become the incentive, the the motivation for, for doing it? What if, what if I could run a marathon. Now that is within sight. Not like flying. I stopped thinking that I could fly when I crashed to the bottom of the stairs at about five years old. But running a marathon, what if I could do that? There is a, a, a program, a training program that I could use that could get me to the start in line with a strong chance of finishing. What if? We've all got them. What ifs in our lives? And it is exciting. I hope you get that sense setting out on a, a new series, the, the expectation, the, the ground that we're going to cover. And this is what if. What if something? And we fill that blank in each week. And this week it is what if we could love people who are different to us? What if we could love people who are different to us? And the idea here, the thought is this, the Christian faith, whether we think we know everything or nothing about it, what if it is lived out? There is a moment, apparently, and I've got to say I haven't read it, but I should, in the classic book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Anyone read that? See, hardly anyone has read that book, and I was thinking I need to read it, and maybe not so worried now. (laughs) There's this conversation, there's this conversation in that classic book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, (laughs) where there is two people, Henrique and Eva. I don't know the background, I'm sorry, you are going to have to read it to get that. But the conversation gets really interesting when Eva, the girl, says, don't the Bible say we must love everybody? And Henrique, the other older character, he says, oh, the Bible. To be sure, it says a great many things, but then nobody ever thinks of doing them. We want to ask the question, what if? And then thinking about doing what it says in the Bible. Over the last 20 years, I have had the opportunity to travel, not lots, probably get to Dudley on the air miles I've accumulated, (laughs) but India... India, that is the place that stands out for me. That was the most culturally different of all. And when I'm overseas, I don't exactly blend, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Some people, they seem to immediately fit in. The language comes easy. Their clothes are culturally sensitive. Their mannerisms are, are quickly adapted to the locals. I don't. I stand out. You can spot the Englishman a mile off. And that isn't limited to travel, 
is it? There are people, if we gave it some thought, people who don't blend with us. They seem to stand out because they don't fit. They don't fit with our approach to, to life. They don't fit with our friends. They don't fit with how we want them to be. They don't fit because they look different, they, they talk different and just seem to press our buttons and wind us up and for whatever reasons they are difficult to love. There is another book, this one I have read, but even if I hadn't got any further than the title of the book, I would have learned something. It's by John Ortberg and it's called Everyone is Normal Until You Get to Know Them. Everyone is normal until you get to know them. And I can relate to that because it doesn't take long, does it, when we're together in a space with other people to realise that we're all different. And that actually as much as we may think we're the normal one, there is something about all of us that if we're going to get on, if we're going to be friends, it is going to require some sensitivity, some adapting and to use some other words that are going to come later, some compassion and, and grace for us to get along together. And before we go anywhere else, you have to ask the question, why? Why? Why bother loving people who are different to us, who may be difficult to love? And there are a number of answers to that. Firstly, I'd say from experience that, that life gets better, it gets fuller, it gets richer as we expand our relationships as we expand our view of humanity, as we reach out and increase our understanding of different cultures, of different generations, of whatever other category may be used to divide us and to keep us safe within our relational comfort zones. And this is about what it means to be human, to live on this planet with billions of people, with all its diversity, and not to live fearful of difference, and open to discrimination or, or worse. Secondly, I'd say it's about us and the person that we're becoming. I don't know about you, but I am a people watcher, not in a strange stalking you type of way, but observing behavior. Although I think more than anything, it's a desire to see the best, see the most beautiful in people. And I'm sure that we could agree on this. We could agree that with examples that we would want to follow. We don't look at a person and think they come over as easily irritated, aggressive, with no friends. I want to be more like them. <laughs> or they say things that point out difference and put other people down. I need more of that in my life. No, we see examples where people are patient, where people have a, a wide circle of friends with diversity and difference. People who don't discriminate on any grounds, but are full of acceptance and humility. And we think, oh, I want to be like that. And this is about us. Because they, those people that we want to be like, they weren't born like that. They had to work at being the person they've become. And there needs to be a, a decision, a desire within us to want to grow and deepen a desire to live a life worth living. Thirdly, I'd say, whether you are a Christian or not, this is about God and what the Bible says. Not that you have to commit to that straight off. 
I came back to my faith in my early 20s. And what got me, as much as I knew about Christianity from my childhood, was reading the, the life of Jesus and seeing him in action and realizing that in his humanity, in his love of others, those who were different, those who were pushed out, those who were overlooked and discarded, in Jesus' self-sacrifice, I realized that the claims he made about himself were true. And I could only respond by committing my life and following his example and in doing that I knew I would be well on the way well on the way to becoming the person that I was meant to be and I want to take us there to one of those encounters with Jesus where he sees past what should or or shouldn't happen to get to the heart of a person which is where Jesus always aims The encounter comes in the book of Mark, which, if you're new to this, Mark is in the second half of the Bible, what is called the the New Testament. And it is one of four books that record Jesus' life and and start it off in Mark chapter 2 and in verse 13. Mark chapter 2 and verse 13. Jesus is out walking beside a lake and a large crowd heads over and, and gathers as he begins to teach them. Jesus keeps walking and and talking and then he sees Levi, a a tax collector, sitting at the tax collector's booth. And Jesus, as he so often does in situations like these, in front of a a sea of faces, he calls to an individual and he says, follow me. Levi gets up and follows him. Nothing too out of the ordinary there. But it is important to know that tax collectors weren't the most popular people back then. Particularly to the, to the Jews of which Jesus and most of those who had gathered would have been. They hated them and they had reason. Because the tax collectors, they, they overcharged and worse still, they supported Rome who ruled and oppressed the Jewish people. The situation changes And in verse 15, Jesus is back at Levi's house. Apparently Levi, in his his excitement at having met Jesus, had all his friends round for dinner. And I mean, why wait? Levi wanted everyone to meet Jesus. And reading from the Bible so that we can picture the scene. In verses 15 to 17 it says, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I love scenes like this from the Bible. When people have an idea of Jesus being weak and effeminate or say that the Bible is boring, you have to question because you can sense the tension here. It was on a knife edge and and Jesus seemed to do it on purpose, deliberately creating controversy and confrontational moments so as to reveal people's deeper thoughts. What was in their hearts and he enjoyed Busting it wide open. When I see that scene, I see a gathering of people, friends of Levi, who were 
different. Who were tax collectors and, and sinners. People who were difficult to, to love. Certainly the Pharisees weren't happy. They didn't like where Jesus was going with this. And what is remarkable what is remarkable about Jesus is that you could open the Bible anywhere in the Gospels in those first four books in 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 Matthew Mark Luke or John and you will find Jesus with people who were different people who were difficult to love and it causes me to ask myself the question if my life was opened in the same way how often am I where Jesus would be and with the people that Jesus would be with. Then there are the the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time. And they're often the ones who speak against Jesus, criticizing him for who he spends time with, who he calls friends, who he calls family. And as you read and, and learn more, you get the idea that Pharisees, well, they were friends with Pharisees and They were friends with other Pharisees who were friends with other Pharisees and they spent their time talking about everything to do with being a Pharisee rather than getting on the ground with people who were different from them and loving them, how God would love them. And if you're a a Christian, we have to feel the challenge of that. Now with that encounter with Jesus in our minds, I want to break this down so that we can if we make that decision we can get better at loving people who are different from us loving people who may be difficult to love and it may seem unusual at at first but I want to speak into some senses and some parts of the of the body as I do this and if you can go with me on this it should start to make sense I don't know if you've ever heard of James Holman. James Holman. If you haven't, then don't worry. That was me. Until my brother bought me a book that I've not read yet either. (laughs) You can learn so much off the back of a book. Why bother reading all of it? It was about, and I will read it, it was about the life of James Holman, who was known simply as the the blind traveller. And he's talked about as one of the most remarkable lives ever lived. James Holman was a a solitary, sightless adventurer who astonishingly fought the slave trade in Africa, survived a a frozen captivity in Siberia, hunted rogue elephants in Ceylon and helped chart the Australian outback. And yet he did this without his eyes, relying on other senses. And my thought is this. When it comes to relationships, when it comes to loving people who are different to us, do we use our senses as we should? And starting with our eyes, the culture that we live in places so much emphasis on the visual. It is visually stimulated, visually driven, and I want to question that. There are other senses, and like James Holman, who did all that he did without his eyes, do we need to change the emphasis? Our eyes, what we see, who we see, gives us immediate clues. Call it being judgmental. That first thought that comes into our heads about somebody whether they're tall or short, black or white, underweight or overweight, 
young or old, happy or sad, pleased to see us or not pleased to see us. Whether they are a a lot like us or nothing like us. It is an important function. It can keep us safe, but also those clues, that first thought can cause us to stop. It can cause us to draw a line and say to ourselves, I can't cross that line. I can't be in relationship with them. I can't even spare them time, a smile, a how is it going, because they're too different to me. And I'm not sure if I even want to be seen with them. And I'm being honest here. That can be my first thoughts. I am judgmental. We, we all are. But we don't have to go with our eyes. We don't have to go with that first thought. We can have a, a second thought. And our second thought could be, I can see past the difference to acceptance, to understanding. And that is where our minds come in, processing, thinking through in a, in a human in a godly way, how we're acting and what we're saying. The Bible goes a long, long way in breaking down categories, in confronting discrimination, in declaring that all people are formed by God and are loved by God. It raises up the the sacred nature of all humanity. And we do have to ask the question about our motives We can be selfish. I know I can be in relationships. It can be about me. But can I make that decision to be deepened? To experience what it means to be human and to love till it costs me something. And if we really want to grow, then spend time with people who can't offer us anything. Who are difficult to love. Because we will need patience And we will need grace. And I've always found in relationships like that, that that person has given me something incredibly valuable. They've given me a mirror. A mirror to look at myself and realize how impatient, how self-seeking, how selfish, how lacking in God's love I really can be. Another sense where we probably need to shift the emphasis is with our ears with listening rather than talking one quote here that is not only healthy for the other person is also healthy for us is this you can make more friends you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you often we get the ratio wrong between talking and listening. And we make it about us. But in listening to someone, we can communicate so much more. We are telling them their story matters. On this planet of billions, they are valued. And actually, as much as we wouldn't have seen it at first, a friendship can happen that expands our lives and coming out of listening it is then about our feet another quote and this one is a, an American Indian proverb it says don't judge any man until you have walked two moons in his moccasins don't 
Have you all got your moccasins on? You can relate to that. These look a little like moccasins, to be honest. <laughs> Don't judge any man until you've walked two moons in his moccasins. Out of listening comes walking. Walking in another person's shoes. And knowing, and knowing the experiences that they have been through may in some way help to explain the person, who they have become. Not an excuse for it, but a way of making sense of it. And we have to ask ourselves the question, would we be, would we be that different if we were living the life that they were living? And we may need to realise what a privileged position we have grown up in. The love, the, the care, the, the opportunities. I know I have had it easy and it can break my heart listening to a, another person's story. And on occasion, the thought is in my mind is that they never stood a chance. But I also know, I also know when God is at work, things can change. And one final quote here, maybe the best of the three, it says this, treat a man or woman, treat a person, treat a person as they appear to be and you make them worse. But treat them as if they already were what they potentially could be and you make them what they should be. Treat a person as they appear to be, and you make them worse. But treat them as if they already were what they potentially could be, and you make them what they should be. People can change in response to how we relate to them. And so what? So what if it doesn't always work out? And maybe we get taken advantage of isn't it better to, to live that way and see people more as God would see them as he gets to work in their lives than to become judgmental and constantly disappointed with people? Then comes our hands. And this starts with where our culture is at. We live in a high-tech culture where it is touch-free everything. And sadly, and it's to our, our shame, our culture has abused touch, which has caused us to become very wary. And I understand a lot of that. There are terrible offences caused through touch. But touch is also essential to human existence, human love and communication. I read it not that long ago about the damaging effects to babies who are starved of touch, how their development is severely reduced. And it doesn't stop there. As humans, we need physical contact. Everything communicates something. And sometimes you need to know someone is there. Someone cares enough to, to reach out, not at a distance shouting over to you. And one thing that Jesus did with people who had been pushed out, who had been discarded as unclean, was that he went over and he touched them. He began the healing that was going to happen in their lives by physical contact and making them feel human and accepted again. And then from our hands to our arms, our arms and our comfort zones, because we all have them, the stretch of our arms around people that we feel that we can love. An easy way to get an idea of this is to Look at our mobile phones, not now because you'll start texting and going on Facebook, but your contact list, your contact list on your phone. Who are the people in there? 
They're your friends and, and your family, and, and that makes sense. But what is your reach? How different are any of those people from you? And from experience, whenever I think I've stretched enough that someone couldn't be more different, then I go and meet them. <laughs> and that is how God moves us. We probably won't go there straight off. Like growing pains for, for children as their legs and arms get longer. God keeps adding to the people around us. He keeps pointing out people and saying, could you love them? Could you love them? Could you? And he keeps challenging us to stretch our arms wider. And then finally, coming back to our eyes, where I started for three years, I worked at Specsavers. I'm not a, an op- optician. You wouldn't let me loose on your eyes. More customer service. <laughs> but one test that I, I could run was the Fields test that checked out your peripheral vision, which is where you stare at a dot right at the, the center of a screen while clicking a, a button every time you see other dots, off at the edges, on the periphery. And when you followed Jesus... You see that he was often on the periphery of society, on the outside where people were. And God is seeking, but often it isn't immediately in front of us, like staring at that dot at the center. And people, it's human behavior. People place themselves off to the side, on the periphery, when they've reached the conclusion in their own minds that they don't matter that no one sees them. And we need to get better with our peripheral vision at seeing people, wherever we are, out and about, walking, talking, let's see more than what is immediately in front of us. Spare them time, a smile, how is it going? Because God is out there on the edges. What if? What if we could learn to love people who are different to us in Romans which is one of a a number of letters in the New Testament written by Paul where he gives his teaching about Jesus to the various churches that were were starting out in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 Paul said God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us while we were away from God and we may feel either close to God or far from God right now while we were away from God on the periphery on the outside while we were still sinners while we were difficult if not impossible for God to love God demonstrated he showed us an example of just how much he loves us by stretching his arms wide, by giving his own son, Jesus. He said, in effect, this is how much I love you, how much I want to be in relationship with you. And not only does that tell us how God feels, the lengths he was prepared to go, but also it shows us how we should live. It sets the example that we should give ourselves to relationships with people whether they are the easiest or the hardest to love because in that we experience so much of the heart of the intent of 
God for us as human beings. I'm going to finish what I wanted to, to say now. And I'd like us to respond through prayer. Because it's prayer that changes us more than anything. Even though we're sitting still, God can speak into that and change us as a result. And I want us to be thinking as we do this. I want us to picture what I'm talking about and allow the words that I'm going to pray to take hold of who we are. So let's close our eyes. Let's close our eyes. That's important straight off because our culture, it's driven by the visual. And for us just to be able to close our eyes and to concentrate on God. Lord, I want to pray for our eyes. Lord Jesus, that as much as they are important to us, as much as they give us clues, Lord, our emphasis wouldn't be totally there. Lord Jesus, we'd use other senses. Lord, in fact, we'd use our eyes in a, in a better way where we're looking more to the edges rather than directly in front of us. We're looking for people who may have placed themselves there because they feel they don't matter. But God, they matter to you. Lord, may we use our eyes the way you would want us to use our eyes. I want to pray for our minds now, our thinking. That as much as we have a first thought, we wouldn't just act on that, but we'd give time and have a second thought. And maybe in that second thought, God, you'd give us what we need to be able to love the person who's in front of us. Lord, those qualities that you had what are very human qualities they're inside all of us we're capable of it to love to show compassion to have acceptance and understanding to have grace and then I want to pray for our ears our listening not our mouths we, we know all about our mouths we probably use it too much the, the spoken word but our ears the listening the starting of a conversation that isn't about us but actually pays attention and hears a story from a person who may not have had chance to tell that story for a very long time. And even in that, even in that telling, Lord, what we communicate is that they matter. So I pray for our ears and our listening. And then I pray for our feet. Lord God, whether we wear moccasins or not, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we can all walk in someone else's shoes. We can put ourselves there. We can think about what they've been through, not as an excuse, but as a way of understanding their journey to the point where they're at now. And God, in that, there may well come a greater sense of acceptance, a greater sense of grace, a greater sense of forgiveness and being able to embrace someone who we thought we could never embrace. And then our hands and with physical touch. Lord, we know what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. But God, to be able to put an arm around the shoulder, to be able to, to shake someone's hand, to be able to even give someone a, a hug just to say, I'm with you. I can't communicate these three words, but I'm with you. 
Lord, and then our arms. How wide can we stretch? Lord, we can all go wider. And maybe there's growing pains with that. Maybe when we look to love that person who seems beyond us, a little beyond us. Lord, actually, we will deepen in that experience. And we will have that mirror that shows us more about ourselves. God, I pray that we'd all be prepared to stretch a little further with our embrace. I pray that in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Just going to put it back to Leon now. You know, often um, Jesus made the connection between our ability to love people who are different from us. uh, And he made that connection between that and our ability to receive love from God. And you know, Jesus often said, you know, this person loves much because they've been forgiven much. And we just sensed this morning that it may be that some of us, you know, we'd struggle to, to love those people who are different because actually we struggle to love ourselves. We struggle to let God love us in a way that God really wants to. So as we finish this morning, what we would like to do is something a little bit different. We'd like you just to sit there, close your eyes if you want to. We want to sing over you for a moment and just sing about the great love of God that he has for you you know we're different from him and yet he stretched his arms out to embrace us and to bring us close and then we'll invite you to sing this song with us so just for a few moments just sit and just receive from him this morning his great love gives us the ability to love